That deity, though, is an apologetics podcast seeking to glorify God by encouraging and equipping Christians to learn more of Christ and make him known in the world. You're tuned into that deity, though. Let the assembly know. We worship God in the flesh. His name is Jesus, you know. Oh, we can open the word. This is the truth we can show. Planting a seed in your brain. Trust in a prayer for the grow. The son of God is the most high. When that don't fly, they come at my neck like a bow tie. <laughs> From the throne to the manger. The mystery of God sent himself as the savior. Welcome to episode 15 of That Deity Though, an apologetics podcast focused on the divinity of Christ and the Trinity. I'm your host, E.C. Holmes, a.k.a. Yes, that's my real name. Um, today we're going to be continuing the conversation on the Trinity um, from a bit of a different angle this time. I think you'll find this episode to, to have a completely different feel, which is on purpose. I got some encouraging feedback from the last episode, um, Five Facts on the Trinity. Um, one person said that they were looking to dig into the Trinity with their son and that they planned on using that episode as a part of the study. So I thought that was pretty cool. Um, I received a comment on Instagram from a lady who said that she plans on using the slides as homeschooling material. So I thought that was pretty dope. Um, if you guys missed out on that episode, you can always go back and check it out. Um, if you would like to know how you can get some merch um, or if you have questions or an episode request, please go ahead and email us at thatdeitythough at gmail.com. Go ahead and follow us on social media for updates and dialogue. After you finish this episode, um, go ahead, please leave us a review on iTunes. I would appreciate that. Um, it really helps to become more visible to those looking for a good podcast. I think it also encourages others and kind of gives them an idea of uh, what they can expect when they actually tune in. After you leave that five-star review, go ahead and copy and paste it to our Facebook page because uh, you can leave reviews there as well. Now, before we jump into the main topic, I would like to let you know about a new album. Uh, my homie Strack from Christcentric dropped a dope project. Project called the beat goes on please support this brother i'm telling you it's fire every single song i promise you it's no skips at all on the whole cd um if you love christian hip-hop if you like boom bap if you like that gritty sound if you like storylines this album actually has two trilogies on it and i think they both really fit into the overall concept of the album um if you like that god glorifying music i promise you look no further strack got an amazing project i'll leave a link in the show notes to his website where you can go ahead and purchase a copy um, of that album and you can also get a dope t-shirt but let me go ahead and play a clip from his first single titled mask all Instead of you, and I'm real. Mask off. When I need it, tell them how I feel. Mask 
Again, that was Stract, and his new album is called The Beat Goes On. It is out now at www.hishypeman.com. I believe it'll be available everywhere music is sold or streamed um, in early December, if I'm not mistaken. But go ahead and go to his website, scroll through it. You'll see uh, there's links there also to the podcast that he co-hosts. Um, along with Kirk Kennedy called Cross Examine. And um, just to purchase the album, all you have to do is scroll through uh, the website and click on the album cover and it'll take you to his band camp and you can grab that for just $10. So go ahead and check it out. Let him know I sent you. Something I'm looking forward to is a debate on the Trinity. Um, the official topic is, is God triune according to the Bible. The negative position will be argued by Otis Lewis and the affirmative will be taken up by Chris K. Dub Williams. The debate will be moderated by Marlon Wilson on his YouTube channel, The Gospel Truth. Go ahead and check out his page. He hosts tons of debates um, on, various, on, 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 on a variety of topics. So go ahead and check that out. Um, they'll be live streaming this particular debate at 5 p.m. Pacific Standard Time on Thursday, January 7th. Go ahead and mark your calendar so you can tune in live. I'm pretty sure that uh, Chris will do a great job at defending the biblical trinity. I'll go ahead and link his YouTube channel as well in the show notes so you can go ahead and get familiar with his work. Um, I have to find out if they'll be going live also on Facebook because if so, I think I'll go ahead and do a watch party on that Deity Though's Facebook page. I think it'll be cool to kind of watch it along with you guys and just interact in the comment section. Um, I think I'll be sharing more debates and other resources as well on my page in respect to the doctrine of the Trinity, um, the deity of Christ. I think there's a lot of good stuff out there. Um, that's been a blessing to me, so I want to pa pass it along also to my listeners. I think debate is a really good um, resource. It's a, a really great way to learn because you get to hear from both sides of an argument, and I have major respect for people who are gifted in that area. And so, man, it's definitely been a blessing to me, so I hope you guys tune in along with me. I do want to respond to a couple comments um, or in an email that I uh, received um, from the last episode. Um, the first one was an email actually that came from Rookie4324. I'm not sure who that is, um, but he wrote in the email, hey, a person is a being. And then he went and linked Webster's Dictionary. Um, if you guys are going to leave comments or send emails, please give more context or I promise you I will not respond. Um, and also, if you're going to leave a comment, leave room for a response. Sometimes people will ask a question and then they'll leave a whole novel um, giving their position on something. Um, I don't really have time to go through all of that stuff and to be going back and forth with people who really aren't looking for a genuine answer. Um, but please comment. Um, leave it open for dialogue and I'll definitely interact with you. Um, but I'm guessing that this rookie 4324, um, I think his point was since a person is a being, we would have to view each person of the Trinity as individual beings. Um, sure, a person is a being, right? <laughs> um, but, and, but we actually define the Trinity. When we, when we define the Trinity, we actually start with being, not person. Um, everything has being, right? Being is the fact of existing, right? Meaning this mic exists, so this mic has being. This camera that I'm speaking into, uh, this camera also has being, right? Now, the fifth and the sixth definition actually refers to a living thing or a human being or a person, right? And so what we're saying is quite simple. The person's father, son, and spirit completely and co-equally share the one being that is God. 
that's why point number two in that episode is that the trinity is unique because you can't compare it to anything right even our definitions cannot properly comprehend god there's only one that perfectly exegeted the father and that's the son who was made flesh right when jesus came into the world he revealed the father to us like never before and he is distinct from the father he was sent by the father he prays to the father right and he's also one with the father he's a distinct person but he's one in substance and essence or being with the father now i also want to respond to a comment that james left on youtube um he said respectfully when i researched for the word trinity in my bible app there are zero results um then he went on and he accused me of adding to the bible he also had an issue with me recommending books that were written by men instead of teaching from the scripture um and then he says that's all that jesus did all jesus did was teach from the scripture and so that's what we should be doing also now if he would have actually stuck around and he would have noticed that fact number four in that video was that the word trinity isn't in the bible and then i shared where the term actually came from and i concluded by saying that the term is important because of what it represents so at the end of the day what's most important is what the term represents not the term in and of itself secondly all books were written by men including the bible right the bible was god breathed and men wrote as they were carried along by the holy spirit but all 66 books have a human author so by that logic i wouldn't be able to recommend the bible to you right if we use his logic these books I recommended are to be read along with scripture, right? These books, I think, are rich with scripture that you can actually check by the word of God. And you might not even agree with every argument, right? That's that's why we are to be Bereans and we are to search the scripture and see if these things are so. But I also believe that God uses men and women to help edify the church, right? And he does it through the preached word. He does it through song. And he even does it through books, right? <laughs> um, last, he claimed that all Jesus did was teach from the scripture. Well, how do you account for the parables, right? Where are the parables in the Old Testament that Jesus gleaned from, right? Jesus often taught his disciples by using parables. And when they asked him why he spoke in parables in Matthew 13, Jesus responds to you, it has been given to know the secrets of the kingdom of heaven, but to them, it has not been given for to the one who has more will be given and he will have an abundance. But from the one who has not, even what he has will be taken away. This is why I speak to them in parables, because seeing they do not see and hearing they do not hear, nor do they understand. Now, if he was trying to keep certain people from hearing the message, <laughs> wouldn't he have to keep them from the scripture as well if all he taught was from the scripture? Not to mention the divine author of the Bible utilized other sources to make a point, right? If you remember Paul in Acts chapter 17, Luke wrote what Paul said. He says, for in him we live and move and have our being as even some of your own poets have said for we are indeed his offspring being then god's offspring we ought not to think that the divine being is like gold or silver or stone an image formed by the art and imagination of man now if paul can quote from a pagan poet to tell us how not to think about god surely we can listen to believers that god has used to teach the scripture um, and to help us to understand how we should properly view god right in fact you listen to your pastor i hope sunday after sunday right would you no longer consider his words if you read them in a book instead of him speaking them i doubt it 
I thought I should take some time to respond to those comments because I'm sure there were other people out there maybe who were thinking the same thing. I'm sure you guys will hear these arguments as well, so you might as well hear how easy they are to dismantle. But with that being said, let's get into it. He is Lord, so we ring. Open up the word, get with it. The eternal God, he is infinite. He put on some flesh and then lived in it. The hypostatic union, we get it. Christology, my apology, but no apology. Let's get with it. Well, then the prodigy, buddy, calm the seas. He quiet storms, yes, he did it. Uh, he's preeminent. Taught fishermen to fish from men. Turn grimy dudes to different men. It's by his life we live for him. And through his life we get to him. Validated by lifting him. And he would do the same for everyone to whom he was sent. Blazing it, fanning the flame, it's no taming it Grabbing his word and aiming it I don't care if you bang with it Repping the blood, no gang with it Add to it and you're changing it Paul said it's anathema even if an angel came with it So let's get into the main topic of the day In the beginning, God this is really part two to the series on the Trinity that I'm doing. Um, the goal really for episode 14, which was the last episode, was to simply lay a foundation for the Trinity. And so what I did was shared five facts uh, called fundamentals that are both positive and negative to kind of highlight what we mean by the term and to kind of serve as a blueprint for believers, not just to understand, but to also be prepared to explain the Trinity to others. And these five facts are one, that the Trinity is monotheistic. Uh, the Trinity is unique. Analogies lead to heresy. The word Trinity isn't in the Bible and the Trinity is essential. What I want to do today is I would like to take a few passages that really shine some light on the existence of God. I think these verses are pretty explicit. I don't think you have to read into it or even speculate. Um, these are verses that I believe others have to deal with who deny the Trinity. You can't just read past them as if they aren't in the Bible. Now, I've heard some scholars claim that the Trinity is revealed in the New Testament. Some would say that you can't find the Trinity in the Old Testament, but I strongly disagree, mainly because I don't read the Old Testament in a vacuum. Um, I try my best to study these passages individually in their own context, but I also consider all of what God has spoken in his word. And so while I might read past something that may be a, a shadow or unclear to me in the Old Testament on my way to the New Testament, but after considering the words of Jesus and the apostles, I can go back with a kind of with a flashlight and see with more clarity, which is why the New Testament is the best commentary that you'll find out there on the Old Testament. It's really like looking through a magnifying glass. There's so much more to see when we actually use the word of God to exegete the word of God. And so what I'm going to do is read three passages today. All three will be out of the book of Genesis. And we're going to look at the context. And I'm going to share to you why we know the God of the Bible is triune. And that there is a plurality to this singular being who is God. So let's start in the beginning. Uh, the creation narrative, right? For, for his own purposes and glory, God created all things. The book of Genesis records the fact that it was completed in six days, which I actually take to be literal, um, being that each day of creation is completed by the words, um, and there was evening and there was morning the first day, and there was evening and there was morning the second day, so on and so, so forth. Um, in chapter 2, verse 2, it reads, And on the seventh day, God finished his work that he had done, and he rested on the seventh day from all his work that he had done. So God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it, God rested from all his work that he had done in creation. 
Now, first notice the obvious. It was God who rested on the seventh day, right? <laughs> because it was God who created everything during days one through six. Now, I know many of you already know this, but I want to get the context before we zero in on the main sections that I want to actually glean from. I want you to kind of take a moment and open your Bible. Um, look at these verses along with me if you're watching this on youtube or through facebook i'll continue to provide the scripture on the screen so you can follow along um so let's kind of go back let's look at chapter one and let's look at the consistent claim in regards to the act of creation and who it's attributed to now day one actually begins on verse three where light is spoken into existence um day two begins on verse six where the sky was formed Day three begins at verse nine, where we get dry land, you get the sea, you get plants and the trees. Day four begins at verse 14, where you get the sun, the moons, and the moon and the stars. Now, I kind of want to say this uh, to make a point because I've seen videos where people claim to have found an inconsistency because light was created on day one. Uh, but how do you have light when the sun, moon, and the stars aren't created until day four? And so people say that because of this, we can't believe the Bible. It can't be trusted because there's contradiction. In reality, it's not a contradiction at all because God, who is the creator of all things, can speak and it will be by virtue of his authority, right? This actually highlights his glory and that his very words provided illumination and he wasn't at the mercy of anything else, not even his own creation for it to happen. And so sort of like uh, the, the fact that the word right jesus will be our source of light in heaven right revelation 21 23 says and the city has no need of sun or moon to shine on it for the glory of god gives it light and its lamp is the lamb right and so there's no contradiction to that at all i just kind of wanted to say that because that's probably something that you will hear if you haven't heard it already um day five begins at verse 20 where we get the animals of the sea and the animals of the air and then day six of creation begins at verse 26 which we have the animals on land and the creation of man who is actually the only creature that we read that is created in god's own image now when you look at each creation account right as far as each day the wording is very consistent right verse three says and god said let there be light verse six says and god said let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let it separate the waters from the waters, right? Verse nine says, and God said, let the waters under the heavens be gathered into one place and let the dry land appear. Verse 11, it says, and God said, let the earth sprout vegetation, plants yielding seed and fruit trees bearing fruit in which, their in which is their seed, each according to its kind on the earth. Verse 14 says, and God said, let there be lights in the expanse of the heavens to separate the day from the night. Verse 20 says, and God said, let the waters swarm with swarms of living creatures and let the birds or let birds fly above the earth across the expanse of the heavens. And verse 24 says, and God said, let the earth bring forth living creatures according to their kinds. This all happens between days one through five, right? And everything that comes forth is preceded by the phrase, God said, right? Not just the verses that I just highlighted, but all through uh, that whole chapter, all through the whole creation narrative until we get to day six, you have, and God said, uh, God made, God called, and God 
declared it good right now when we get to verse 26 there's actually a shift in the way that the writer describes the coming forth of a particular creation now i think this is likely due to the fact that humanity was created in the image of his creator and I think maybe we'll dig deeper into this into the future in a future episode as far as what does it mean to be created in the image of God. I think there might be something there to learn in respect to the fact that we are created in God's image, yet the ultimate joy and the, the ultimate fullness, the, the end of the believer is to be conformed into the image of Christ Jesus. Um, I think there's something to be found there. Um, but finally, on day six, the final creative act of God, the, the pinnacle of his creation was mankind. Now, verse 26 reads, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. Here in this verse, we actually have two plural pronouns, us and our, who seem to be assisting God in creation, right? <laughs> in the beginning, God created. By the time you get to day six, for the creation of man, God says, let us make man. Now, the question is, who is this us? Who is this our in verse 26? Now, there's some interpretations that I think just don't work with this text. I'm not going to dig super deep into them, uh, but I don't think they actually fit in. And it's pretty obvious. Uh, one of them would be polytheism, which we can easily rule out because uh, just like I laid out in the last episode, the first foundation of the Trinity um, would be monotheism, that God is one. And this God who knows all things claims to know of no other gods. Um, the, another interpretation um, that you might hear is that God was speaking to the angels when he said, let us make man in our image. Now, there's a debate on the Trinity between Marcus Rogers, um, who's pretty popular on social media and on YouTube. Um, he's a oneness Pentecostal and uh, he debated Stephen Bancarts who is an ex uh new age new ager um and he's a believer he's a trinitarian now in this debate marcus rogers who believes that jesus is the father he actually took the position that the us and the our mentioned in verse 26 could have been the angels um however what we'll see is that neither of these views whether it's polytheism or that god was speaking to angels neither of these views work for verse 26 because the answer can be found once we get to verse 27. um now here in verse 26 and 27 both of these verses in the beginning of your bible we learn something about the identity of our creator he says let us make man in our image after our likeness now notice let us plural make man in our plural image singular and after our plural likeness singular now this plural creator has a singular or one image and likeness now do angels have the likeness of god do angels have the image of God? The answer has to be no, because only man is said to bear God's image and likeness. And obviously man didn't assist God in creating himself, right? And so the burden of proof is actually on those who would fail to recognize this plural nature of God, not a plural manifestation, but a simultaneously plural existence. And so how do we get the proper understanding of the context of verse 26? Well, we just keep reading, like I said, to verse 27, which says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. 
male and female he created them and so verse 26 says in our image and likeness verse 27 says in his own image in the image of god both male and female he god created them this is very simple i think this is elementary yet the plain reading of the text is often thrown out and it's ignored and the identity of the creator is twisted and misunderstood and so to reject this plural nature of god's existence is a flat-out rejection of scripture itself and so who is this us um well when we look to verse 2 we read that the earth was without form and it was void right and darkness was over the face of the deep and the spirit of god was hovering over the face of the waters and so here we have a distinct person in this chapter as well known as the spirit of god right who i mentioned in last episode as the one who animates right the one who brings life to what god has created um the psalmist wrote in psalm 104 30 he says when you sent forth your spirit they are created and you renew the face of the ground the new american commentary uh, makes a note on verse 2 in uh, genesis chapter 1 it says the spirit of god or the ruah of god was hovering over the earth that is presiding over the earth and preparing it for the creative word to follow the spirit alone is moving animated while the elements of the lifeless earth remain static passive awaiting their command that statement is directly in line with what the psalmist wrote right and i think to understand scripture um we have to involve other passages to speak where the bible may seem to be silent or maybe less exhaustive and so there in the beginning you have the spirit of god actively involved in creation there is no one else spoken of here in chapter one right that we can point back to as the us being spoken of in verse 26 um, all you have is god the creator and then you hear of this spirit that was hovering over the waters in verse 2 now there's another passage in the psalms that gives us more insight as to this us spoken of in genesis chapter 1 and that's in psalm 102 verses 25 to 27 which says of old you laid the foundations of the earth and the heavens are the work of your hands they will perish but you will remain they will all wear out like a garment you will change them like a robe and they will pass away but you are the same and your years have no end now in hebrews chapter 1 verses 10 through 12 the father actually quotes this psalm psalm 102 and he makes a reference to the son as he quotes this and this is what the father says to the son in hebrews chapter 1 verses 10 through 12 in you lord laid the foundation of the earth in the beginning and the heavens are the work of your hands they will perish but you will remain they will all wear out like a garment like a robe you will roll them up like a garment they will be changed but you are the same and your years will have no end now not only is the spirit of god involved in creation according to the father so was the son right <laughs> this passage obviously also affirms the divinity of christ um if you would like more details about this passage in particular go back and uh listen to episode i want to say three which was titled cosine where i take more time to unpack this um now that's not the only place that we have in scripture that we can see that the son was involved in creation obviously we have john chapter 1 verse 1 through 3 which says in the beginning was the word and the word was with god and the word was god he was in the beginning with god all things were made through him and without him was not anything made that was made 
nothing was made without the participation of the son, right? Who we read in verse 14 was the one who became flesh and the one that dwelled among us. In Colossians chapter one, it says in verse 16, it says, for by him talking about Jesus, all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him. Not, not just through him, but all things were created for him, right? Now, who is this us? When we let the scripture speak, all of it is clearly the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. So, so how do we reconcile uh, Genesis chapter 1, verse 27, which says, So God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them, right? Um, how do we reconcile that with scriptures like, uh, you know, Isaiah chapter 24, verse 44, which says, Thus says the Lord, your Redeemer, who formed you from the womb, I am the Lord, who made all things, who alone stretched out the heavens, who spread out the earth by myself. And so how do we maintain the fact that only one God exists while at the same time embrace this plural existence of the one singular true God being? Now, this is the concept that we see in scripture that's affirmed by the term Trinity. Within the one being that is God, there exists eternally three co-equal and co-eternal persons, namely the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. God has made himself known from the beginning. Now, is this the only passage in Genesis that speaks about God in the plural? Um, go ahead and turn your Bible to chapter 3. Uh, we won't spend as much time on these next two passages because I think the first point really provides a precedent or a model for how we are to understand what follows when it speaks about God in the plural. Um, and also because I spoke on this chapter in uh, in episode 12 titled Stephen Furtick and the Gospel. And so although this chapter is, is known for the fall of man, I believe the emphasis is on what God did in light of their sin instead of their rebellion being the main focus. Um, but what I want to do is draw your attention to verse 5 and also verse 22. Because after God creates man, right, he places man in the garden and he gives them specific instructions that we read in verse 15, which says the Lord God took the man and put him in the garden of Eden to work it and to keep it. And the Lord God commanded the man saying, you may surely eat of every tree of the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat for in the day that you eat of it, you shall surely die. So this crafty serpent, he causes Adam and Eve to, to doubt God at his word, right? What God had spoken to them in chapter 2, verses 15 through 17. So here, when you get to, to chapter 3, verse 5, he says, For God knows that when you eat of it, your eyes will be open, and you will be like God, knowing good and evil. And so it's God who knows good and evil, right? And, and after they ate, their eyes were open, and they recognized their nakedness. But as we continue to read, we come across another passage where this singular mention of God is actually connected to a plural existence, right? For the second time in Genesis, we hear a conversation. We, we kind of overhear what some would refer to as an intra-divine conversation. Um, now, now, what am I talking about? Go ahead and jump to verse 22. Um, which says, then the Lord God said, behold, the man has become like one of us in knowing good and evil, 
right now at least he reach out his hand and take also of the tree of life and eat it and live forever and so adam and eve they achieve this knowledge in the wrong way right which goes to show you that just because you receive something doesn't mean that uh it's a result of god's blessing um if it's in disobedience it can actually be a curse um if you remember moses he struck the rock instead of speaking to it and, and water came forth from the rock still uh, but he was punished by dying before reaching the promised land and so what we see here with adam and eve what followed is the ground was cursed right and childbirth would be painful because of what they did right they would no longer live for eternity on earth but they would actually taste death right um, they would surely die they have no excuse because now they're like god and knowing good and evil right god who is for the second time referred to in the plural sense right god said they would become like one of us and they became like god in that knowledge and god kicked them out of the garden um and from there you have the result of disobeying god right at his word cain kills abel right um a, a evil society comes from cain that practiced polygamy and violence and god is grieved with man and in chapter six it says the lord saw that the wickedness of man was great in the earth and that every intention of the thoughts of his heart was only evil continually the result was the destruction of mankind right god floods the earth only saving noah and his family however because of the sin of of man in the garden everyone after him will be born with a sin nature right now now why am i laying all of this out well because it leads to the third passage that i want to focus on in chapter 11 of genesis and i'm going to read verses 1 through 9 and i just want to highlight really two verses but i want to read the context and then uh, i'll point out the significance of these two passages here um it says now the whole earth had one language and the same words and as people migrated from the east, they found a plain in the land of Shinar and settled there. And they said to one another, Come, let us make bricks and burn them thoroughly. And they had brick for stone and bitumen for mortar. Then they said, Come, let us build ourselves a city and a tower with its top in the heavens, and let us make a name for ourselves, lest we be dispersed over the face of the whole earth. <laughs> they obviously had no idea what was about to come next. And the Lord came down to see the city and the tower which the children of man had built. And the Lord said, Behold, they are one people, and they have all one language. And this is only the beginning of what they will do, and nothing that they propose to do will now be impossible for them. Come, let us go down there and confuse their language, so that they may not understand one another's speech. So the Lord dispersed them from there over the face of all the earth, and they left off building the city there its name was called babel because there the lord confused the language of all the earth and from there the lord dispersed them over the face of all the earth now what we read in this passage is humanity attempting to unify for their own glory right and what happens is god interferes god scatters them by confusing their language i just want to point out two verses verses seven and verse nine um verse seven says come let us go down there and confuse their language so that they may not be able to understand one another's speech now who is this us in chapter 11 verse 9 verse 7 says come let us go down and there confuse their language so that they may not be able to understand one another's speech verse 9 says therefore its name was called babel because there the lord 
confused their language right he confused the language of all the earth and from there the lord dispersed them over the face of the earth verse 7 let us go down and confuse their language verse 9 the lord confused their language right the language of all the earth this place babylon which actually literally means the gate of god right they were they were looking to make a name for themselves and god gave them one right god gave them a name because of their pride they will be known as babel which is actually related to the word confusion and that name came from what the lord did on that day when he said let us go down and so you'll find more verses like this all in the book of genesis um all over the pages of scripture and i plan on getting to them on future episodes um these verses like i said cannot be explained away as if they don't provide a significant uh light into the identity of god we just looked at three passages which was genesis chapter 1 verse 26 through 27 genesis chapter 3 verse 22 and also genesis chapter 11 verses 7 and 9 and what we find there is just as clear as the verses that proclaim that there is only one god these verses teach us about this one god right while he is one being while he is one in essence he exists in a plurality of persons which uniquely and completely share the one divine nature the one being that is god right here in the beginning of your bible is where we encounter the triune god not at the council of nicaea not from the church fathers not influenced by rome right but the very words of god himself let us make man in our image and in our likeness male and female he god created them right man has become like one of us knowing good and evil let us go down and confuse their language right and the place is called babel because that's where god confused their language and so how can god love this is another argument right how how can god communicate apart from his creation right god is completely sufficient in and of himself because he's triune and these verses actually give us a peek into that interaction of love that god is right and his ability to communicate we actually see this communication happen in the creation narrative and also in those other passages that we looked at in the book of genesis now i hope this came across clear and that you learned something new um, maybe this confirmed what you already knew and understood to be true um, I hope this actually helps you to make Christ known in the world and that you're prepared the next time that you have an opportunity to give a reason for the hope that is within you. If this has been helpful, please let me know in the comment section. Let me know by giving a like, a share. Go ahead and subscribe to the channel. Like I said, follow us on social media. And after you do that, go ahead and leave that review, that five-star review. Um, I would really appreciate it. Um, but for now, this concludes episode 15, the main topic in the beginning, God. Thanks for listening to that deity, though. Wisdom and knowledge revealed.